Welcome to Playing Big, a podcast about what it means to play big in life and in business, and about changing the world with big ideas and big action. I'm your host, Blaine Fyan, Chief Evangelist here at True Footage, and I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to Playing Big. If you have been a listener of this show since, well, seasons one and seasons two, you will remember that we used to do something back then. We used to do an episode every month or so where I would address a question or questions from our mailbag. We call it questions from the mailbag. Now I get emails and I get private messages every single week from people who listen to the show or at least have listened to a show, whether or not they're subscribers or, you know, regular listeners or not. And I answer every single one of those. I I love interacting with, with listeners. And, you know, if we can call them fans, some people send very, very nice messages and emails every now and then I get somebody who's upset with something or, you know, wants to debate. But uh, from that time, we, we, we stopped doing those. I simply decided that doing shows from questions from the mailbag was too easy. It was low-hanging fruit, and it was a bit of a cop-out for me because I like to push myself. I like to challenge myself. And although I love to put out good information, what many of you probably don't know is that every th- this podcast is an exercise for me each week as much as, much as it is uh, a show for you each week. I This is a, a commitment and an exercise to come up with content, sit down, do research, uh, write out notes and things like that every single week. That's one of the things I'm committed to. So it, it was just a little bit too easy to just dip into the to the mailbag uh, every couple of weeks and go, all right, I don't want to come up with any content. So I'm just going to answer some some questions of from some listeners. Um, so this forces me to research and get educated on some new topic, which by the way, has been super beneficial for myself. Hopefully it's been beneficial for all of you as well. Nevertheless, one of the most persistent types of questions that I get month in and month out, of course, is about coaching because we run a coaching program, the uh, founder of the coaching Academy, and we coach uh, appraisers and realtors and some lenders and uh, actually some people from, from other industries, primarily appraisers um, and have for many, many years. Now, over the years, I have collected all of these questions about all the different topics, but specifically about coaching and the answers that I have given to those, and I've compiled what I consider to be a nice list of reasons to hire a business coach, what to look for, how much to pay, how to get the most from the experience, how to be a good student for a coach, how to choose the right coach, so on and so forth. And in fact, since I've gotten such good questions from listeners over the years, I started to post those questions and the responses to them on our coaching website at realvaluecoach.com so that people visiting the site might have their questions answered straight away instead of making them have to take another step to reach out to me with those questions and so on. And now just a side note, by the way, going a little bit off topic, what I just mentioned about putting those questions and answers on the website, this is a friction, it's called friction lowering or friction elimination step when it comes to your web presence. There's a great book out there. They It's called They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. He talks all about becoming the answer people in a particular business or industry and making all those questions and answers readily available for people on your website so that they always come to you for that info, whether they buy from you or not. And as I've said many times on this show, we decided many years ago, 12, 15 years ago, that we wanted to become an education company that just happened to do appraisal and valuation work. And so everything we do runs through that filter of, are we educating our market? Are we educating the public? Are we answering questions? And, oh, do we get business from it? Okay, well, sure, but that's secondary. 
for us. So we like to think of ourselves as the answer people. Now, what I'd like to do in this episode is cover some of the most valuable of those questions, not so that you reach out to me and hire me as your coach. We don't even take on new coaching clients unless they've been referred, but I, I want to do these so that you might hear some of these questions and then think more deeply about life, maybe about your business, and then have a better understanding about why somebody would ever think to or consider hiring a coach and what some of the benefits are uh, for maybe all the other coaches out there. So let's start right there since that's the first question I get. Why would somebody hire a coach? Why would somebody hire a business coach? Why would somebody hire an athletic coach? Why would somebody hire a fitness or weight loss coach? Now, please notice I didn't say why should somebody hire a coach. That's almost a different episode. I could give a whole set of different answers for why should somebody. This is why would somebody. And that's because I don't believe hiring a coach is the right direction for everybody. Not that not not that I'm saying everybody doesn't need a coach. I think everybody does need a coach and a therapist and a bunch of other things. I'm just saying that not everybody should primarily because a lot of people aren't ready. Doesn't matter how good a coach is. If the person they're coaching isn't ready, it, it isn't doing the work, if they aren't speaking the same language, so to speak, or if the coaching student has unreasonable expectations, which does happen, then coaching wasn't what they really needed. They needed more growth first before they're going to get something out of a coaching relationship. I can tell you from doing this kind of work since uh, mid-1990s, 95, 96, that many people, as I just mentioned, need a good therapist more than they need a good coach. And, and I, don't, I don't say that in a negative way. Uh, I, I go to that kind of coaching. I go to relationship coaching, and I have those types of people in my life, and it's done wonders for me, my personality, my life, and my relationships. And a lot of people would do well to find a good life coach or, or therapist, if you will. I don't like the word therapist because it's, it's got a lot of baggage to it. So I usually call them just, you know, personal or life coaches. Now, personally, I like to think of therapists as coaches, but I don't think that's the typical view most people have when they're hiring a therapist or a coach. But the question you should be asking is, why would I hire you as a coach? Or why would I hire a coach? Not why should I hire you? Don't put anybody on the spot that way. You're going to lose respect for them when they all of a sudden start vomiting out of their mouth about why, you, oh, I'm the best at this and I'm the best at this. Somebody says to me, why should I hire you? I usually say, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. If you haven't done your research and you aren't settled already before you talk to me, then just call up and say, why would I hire a coach? Can you give me some good reasons why I would hire a coach? To which I can then start asking more questions about it. That's usually the right attitude to come at those kinds of things. Now, the main reason people hire coaches of any kind is because they have a moment of self-awareness where they realize that it's very difficult to get perspective on ourselves. You know, it's like a goldfish in, in, in the goldfish bowl. We, they never make it outside of the water to see themselves, you know, looking into the goldfish bowl. So we, it's very difficult for human beings to get perspective on ourselves and that somebody else might have a different, possibly better perspective that might help me or the person being coached overcome some kind of issue or issues. Somebody might hire a coach to solve a very specific problem or a situation, and then they might only need that coach for a specific period of time. So there's all different kinds of coaches. I've got a very, very good friend. We grew up together. We're best of friends. We see each other every week. And he's a very high-level manufacturing industry coach and consultant. He's paid very large sums of money to come into a manufacturing plant, diagnose issues with production and efficiency, and then help that company formulate plans for solving those issues. Now, he might only be on a consulting job for a week 
And then again, he might work with a company for say six months or yet uh, more. And they pay him what he asks because the problem he solves for those companies are things that are costing the company hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in wasted time, materials, efficiency. And when my friend solves those problems for them, he's solved those problems for them forever. If he can find a, 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 an area of waste, as it's called lean manufacturing, if he can find a, an area of inefficiency and it's costing them, say, $500 or $1,000 a day, well, they save that every, that's $365,000 every year saved for that corporation going forward. So you can see why he would get paid the money he gets paid. The, the company reaps the benefits of the solved problem forever and ever into perpetuity. They are the, the, the uh, recipients of the benefit going forward. For them, the savings might be in the millions, maybe in the billions. I mean, it's a billion dollar industry like the automotive industry that it, it literally could be in the billions over a, a multi-year or multi-decade period of time. So the cost of coaching to them in that situation is nominal. I mean, if he charged a million dollars to solve their problem, if it's a $10 million problem, the cost is nominal. Now, another reason somebody might seek out a coach is for clarity. By the way, we're going to get into cost and stuff later, but I just want to touch on that one. Clarity is another reason somebody seeks out a coach. It's very difficult to have perspective on ourselves, so a good coach can give an individual some refreshing perspective on things. It's why we go to a therapist. So tell me what's going on. You tell the therapist what's going on, and they ask good questions and you know blank slate and all that, and then you sometimes hear yourself say things, and you go, Ugh, I just heard myself say it. Now, good coaches are typically armed with insight from experience, maybe experience in that specific industry or business, but experience. And the experience of coaching others through similar situations and scenarios. So they can typically help somebody avoid the pitfalls uh, pitfall, in the potholes associated with decisions that have been made by others in those same or similar situations. As many of you know, the model of learning that many of us get growing up is learning by doing. It's the same thing in martial arts. Like you look, learn by seeing, and then you try to duplicate or replicate what you just saw. Learn by doing and then learn from your mistakes. Which, by the way, I'm all for as a parent. As long as the mistakes don't have life-altering consequences. You, know, you, would, you wouldn't tell your child, hey, you're going to walk out in the street, you're going to get hit by a car, but learn from your mistakes. No, that, that could be the last mistake they ever make. So as long as the risks and the consequences are relatively low, well, yeah, we want our kids to learn from their mistakes as long as we know that they're not going to be harmed by it. But some things will only ever be learned by experiencing them yourself, and then taking the lesson from the experience. Again, as long as the risk and the consequences are low. However, as we grow, especially as we go into life, career, business, uh, relationships, if you can avoid errors and mistakes in something, why wouldn't you? If somebody's been there before and learned a valuable and expensive lesson and they're willing to share that with somebody else, we'd be fools not to take the advice. Libraries are filled with this kind of wisdom. Some take it, some don't. Turn on the A&E channel on any given night and you will find an episode of Scared Straight where they take problem kids and teens and they let them hang out in a prison for a day or two while some of the convicts scream in their face and threaten to do unspeakable things to them if and when they ever end up there. And the idea is to blast past the logical brain of the youngsters and go straight into their emotional brains to help them see the error of their ways and the error of their behaviors and where the potential consequences of making mistakes might lead them. 
which is ultimately in prison with these people. That is a form of coaching. By the way, I, you know, it gets a little monotonous because it's the same thing every time. But I love that when, when, when the first scared straights started coming out, I thought, okay, obviously the convicts are in on it, which they are. Some of them are brutal. I mean, some of them are really, really good at it. But, you know, they've talked, obviously, with the warden, and they're, they're probably getting some good points added to their sentences and whatnot for doing this. Uh, but they, they're, they're ultimately wanting to, to help the kids and teens see the error of their ways. That is a form of coaching. That's a fairly harsh one, but one that works in many cases for that specific scenario and those types of people. The verbally abusive inmates are trying to help the kids avoid the mistakes and poor choices that they themselves made, which landed them in prison. So clarity and perspective, as well as avoiding mistakes that have been made by others, are just a few of the reasons somebody would hire a coach. And by the way, very good reasons. They could be the only reasons you need. Hey, I need perspective on this. Hey, I need to get some clarity. Heard you can help me get some clarity. Cool. Sometimes those are the only reasons you need. Another really good reason somebody would hire a coach is to help them set better goals and then break down those goals into daily and weekly activities and metrics. Sometimes we call them KPIs, key performance indicators, that might help develop longer-term behavioral changes and better habits. Now, what I can tell you from my own experience with this goal-setting piece is that very few people know the proper reason to or how to, to properly set worthy goals. Goal setting is a, such a massive topic of discussion. And in fact, there a bunch of new coaches pop up every year in almost every industry because they learned in a seminar how to write out SMART goals. That's the acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Gotta be SMART goals, which I disagree with. The problem with only being armed with this extremely simplistic paradigm of achievement is that it doesn't work for most people. There are lots of people who set goals that fail every single day. And I hate to spill the beans and talk out of school. Most people never reach their goals, at least not on their own. Maybe they follow the SMART goals process and they write out what they think they want to achieve, but the goals are not in alignment with their deeper core values. They're not in alignment with their habits and behaviors, and the goals are not in alignment with a deeper purpose for the person who wrote them. If they're not connected to a deeper purpose, we talked in the last episode about finding your, or living on purpose in the wealth building episodes. Has to be there. If you're going to have goals, the goals have to be in alignment with your core values. If you don't know what your core values are, well, I would start with core values first before you start with goals. Because otherwise you're going to be setting goals that might sound good and look good on paper or goals that are comparative, meaning you think somebody else wants you to have those goals. Oh, I want to earn a million dollars. But if you don't know what that means, if you have no context for that, and it's not in alignment with your core values, you're going to be working upstream. You've got to know what your deeper core values are and any of your goals have to be in alignment with your habits and your behavior and a deeper purpose. So when things get tough and life takes over, what happens? Well, most people throw up their hands and they give up. If they do reach those goals, which does happen, people are achievers, they reach their goals, now they're faced with a now what moment? Now what? So if there's no alignment with core values, a deeper purpose, and something outlining and addressing habits and behaviors, goal setting, for the most part, is an exercise in futility. It might get you to a goal. I talked in the wealth building exercise, a uh, wealth building episode about you know, achieving a black belt and how the, the retention rate after black belt goes down considerably. We lose a lot of people between blue and brown belt because of the gap, the chasm, the blue and brown belt blues. 
And then people who, if, if, they, if all they ever wanted was a black belt, then they achieve that black belt and they get the letdown. They go, oh, I'm no different today. It's like having a birthday. You feel any different than yesterday? No. You're wearing a black belt now. You feel any different? No. I'm the same person. Yeah, because getting a black belt in any martial art is just mastering the basics. The real journey begins at first degree black belt. It's got to be tied to your purpose. Once you get that black belt and you put it on, you realize, okay, now the real work begins. But my core values say, I'm disciplined and, and I'm just going to show up every day. Now, I'm not telling you not to have goals and aspirations, just that there's a right and a wrong way to go about it. One way is empowering and life-changing. It's where it's tied to your core values and a deeper purpose. And we're talking about daily habits and behavioral changes. That's what's most important about goals. It's not the goal itself. It's who you have to become to achieve the goal. We talk about this all the time. One way is empowering and life-changing. The other way is demotivating and discouraging. Because when you fail to hit your goal, then you go, mm, it didn't hit my goal. And it often has people focusing on the wrong things. Some people give up from there. Nah, I tried that years ago. I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, it's because the behaviors and the habits didn't change. A good coach can help the individual get to the core of mo the most important things, which helps when it's finally time to start setting some goals. I'm not saying goals are not important. There's just things that need to be set up first. And those are the aligning behaviors, core values, deeper purpose. Get to those first, and then the goal setting makes sense. Now, the next question I often get is how to choose the right coach or how to choose the right coach for me. It's usually how people ask it. Now, this, of course, depends heavily on the, the issue, the situation, or the goal that they are hiring the coach for. So to use my friend, my friend in manufacturing, he's hired for a very specific reason. They don't hire him to solve goal-setting problems and in, in upper management or life issues with the people on the floor. So depending on what you're hoping to gain by hiring a coach, the most common recommendation for people or the, the, the common answer people get from me is to research, find as much information as you can about what you're trying to, to, to solve by hiring a coach, research the people, set up a call. You've got to be able to talk to the person. Look for social proof and results. Other people out there saying, yes, this is my coach and this is what they did for me. And then after you talk with them, do you get a feeling of confidence about the direction that the coach can take you in? If you don't get that feeling, I used to say the same thing when people would walk into my martial arts school and they would do the same thing. Why should we hire you? Why should we choose your school? Why should? And I would say, don't, you shouldn't. This is the first time walking in, sit down, watch, watch class, talk to our instructors, meet some of the students. Maybe you like us, maybe you don't, but get a feel. And then we would always tell them, by the way, this is a great business strategy, but it's an honest one. Go research all of the other schools. Go sit in every single one of them. Because as much as I'd love your business, I only want your business if it's the right business for both of us. And I don't know you yet. I might find that I don't want your money. I might find that you and I don't get along or you're not a good student. So I, I don't know you yet well enough to know if you're going to make a good student for my martial arts dojo. So I'm not going to try to sell myself on why you should choose us. I may not want you to choose us. Sit down in the viewing area, watch some of our classes, ask some good questions of our instructors, and then base it on a feeling. Do you feel good here? Do you like the facility? Is it clean? Do you like the instructors? Do you like the instruction? Do you like the way we're presenting stuff? Do you like the way the students are reacting and, and treating each other? All those things are important. So then we give them a whole list of things they should be looking for, which uh, usually up to that point, they didn't even know. And then we would send them on their way. Go, go, go jump into a bunch of other schools. Watch them. 
you might get a better feeling from somewhere else. Did we lose people because of that? For sure. But you're going to lose them anyway. You've got to talk. You've got to check things out. You've got to sit in the proverbial viewing area. And then you've got to base it on the feeling that you get after researching and speaking with them. And if you don't get a good feeling, move on. I've had people not choose me as their coach for the same recommendation. I go, choose this. I mean, uh, research this person, research that person. I don't know what's right for you. You do. And you have to mesh personally with a coach to get some real value from that relationship. Now, please note, I did not say that you have to like your coach. It helps. I mean, most of my coaching students I have good, great relationships with. I consider them friends after a certain point. But I personally have had coaches that pissed me off every single time I met with them. I hated them every time I left a session. But I also knew that that's why I chose them. I chose them to push me. I was willing to put up with the anger because the anger was leading to my growth. You hire a coach coach to get results and positive outcomes, not necessarily to have a best friend. If you turn into friends later, great. That's really cool. But ultimately, you want to get results. Now, the next question that I get from time to time is whether or not a coach should be versed in, very experienced in, your industry, and whether or not they should be more successful than you. I see this debate in coaching forums all over the place, and they're great questions. The question of whether your coach should be versed in your industry is multifaceted. To use my friend again in the manufacturing world, no manufacturing company would hire me to do what he does because I will not be able to get the results he does. I've read many books on the topic. I can't go in and you know, lean out a manufacturing facility. He can nor would somebody hire me to be their weight loss or fitness coach. Although I think I could whip you into pretty decent shape in short time. But I don't put myself out there and I don't think people would hire me for that. You want the ripped dude or woman at the YMCA who you know you can see from their physicality and the fact that they do it all the time and they're certified and all that, that they can get results. There are many coaches out there, however, who consider themselves to be generalists, I call them, not necessarily specialists. I'm more of a specialist. The generalist is a general you know, business or life coach. They know business. They understand goal setting and making behavioral changes. Maybe they understand HR issues or organizational issues. Maybe they understand the steps to help any business scale once they learn the, the metrics of that business and so on. I think I could do that as well. So the answer to that one is that it really depends In my opinion, a good business coach can coach in a variety of industries without specific knowledge of that specific business because businesses are made up of human beings and human beings come with the same set of baggage and problems. And it all comes down to systems and processes. As a coach, we just need to learn what the specific businesses, processes, where the efficiencies are, what the metrics are, what the KPIs are of that specific industry. And then typically we can go, ah, okay, here's an issue we need to work on. Appraisers always think their business and their industry is super special and that only an appraiser can help them build their business. This is absolutely not true. Now, it would benefit me as an appraiser coach to say, oh, yeah, 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 you, you got to hire some, you only hire somebody who's been in the appraisal business. But I don't believe that. So I'm not going to tell you that. I made the biggest changes to my own business, my appraisal business, on the coaching and advice from my manufacturing friend who knew nothing about the appraisal business, and another coach, good friend of mine, who is a top national coach in the mortgage business. Now, you might say, well, mortgage business, appraisal business. No, they're two totally different things. But the advice he gave me worked very, very well because it was all about systems and processes. 
Everything I needed coaching on had to do with systems, had to do with efficiencies, had to do with processes, had to do with duplication of my efforts, had to do with dollars per hour. Not appraisal techniques and tactics. In fact, there are specific coaches you can hire to be better appraisers. Timothy Anderson, Joshua Wallet, two great examples, wonderfully intelligent, great human beings, experienced people who can help you be a better appraiser. I specifically coach on how to be a better appraisal business owner, which doesn't really have anything to do with being a good appraiser. And in fact, in many cases, I can report being a really good appraiser is what screws up most of them from being great business owners. They're held back by their own egos and their own abilities as good appraisers, and they think that's what the market wants from them. That's the problem. Oh, it's always got to be me. I got to be the one out there doing it. What the market wants from them is duplication of their talents at scale. Your clients may want your expertise and talents, not to say they don't like you, but they want you duplicated across multiple people. They'll take it in in the form of some other human being that you've trained and can produce what you've taught them to produce and get similar results. Every now and then, yes, they may want to speak with you. Okay, fine. Be the person who just answers the phone. But in many cases, you being the best appraiser is what holds you back from being a good appraisal business owner. And that's what I heard from my coach because I had the same ego. And it was the best advice that I could ever hear from somebody, even though it hurt. They basically both said, both of those guys, get over yourself, Blaine. It's not you we want. We like you, but it's not you we want. We want the results. It's what you do and the way you do it. If you can duplicate and reproduce that, then do that. That's what a good coach does. And on the point about whether or not your coach should be more successful than you, that too depends on what they're coaching you on. For example... It will be very difficult to take advice on health and wellness from a coach who smokes and is overweight. Just plain and simple. They might know what they're teaching. They could be certified. They might know what they're coaching on. But you will always have your doubts as they're standing there smoking a cigarette and telling you to run laps. And then you end up not having respect for them as a result. It'll be difficult, for example, to take advice on wealth building from somebody with a negative net worth, no assets, and no prior history of wealth accumulation. Why would you? Bad advice. It would be a bad advice to take somebody, take take advice from somebody on investing in cryptocurrency who's never bought it, who's never traded. Same thing with stocks. And it can be tough to take advice on business building if somebody has never built a business. So there are some things. However, I can tell you that I coach a bunch of businesses that are by almost all metrics more successful than my own appraisal company for going just by, say, number of people or Uh, gross revenue. Sometimes being the most successful at something actually disqualifies you from being a good coach. can be like being the most talented athlete or salesperson. Things that come very natural to a person are rarely analyzed and broken down into a teachable point of view by that person because it just comes naturally to them. And in fact, they often can't understand why others can't do what came very easily and very naturally to them. A good coach has got a deep understanding of human nature an understanding of the systems and processes required to be successful, an understanding of where the most common pitfalls and bottlenecks occur and a demeanor that allows them to get to the heart of issues. Somebody who listens, somebody who's got a whole suite of great questions to dig and dig and dig. A good coach asks the right questions at the right time and helps the individual see the answers that are in front of them. I don't think in most situations a good coach needs to be more successful, which is typically a subjective term, than the person or the people they're coaching. They just shouldn't be a complete failure. That's something you would want to research. Now, the next question that we typically get is around money. 
And it usually sounds like, well, one, how much does good coaching cost? Or what metrics should I use to determine the cost or the price that I should be paying for a good coach? Now, the metric you should use should be directly related to the amount of money, excuse me, it should be directly related to the amount of your life that you will get back. It should be directly related to the degree to which your life will be enhanced and the degree to which your business can be bettered and experience increase in greater profitability. Let's say it that way. Forget about money. So what this means is that if, let's say coaching costs you $10,000 a month, but it can net you 20 hours a week of freed up life energy. It can increase your business inefficiencies. It can add an increase in net profit at the end of the day. Well, $10,000 a month might be a steal. You may have initially heard that and thought, whoa, 120 grand a year, that's a lot of money. But what if it could return 240 back to you? Any increases you earn through that process, you get to keep into perpetuity. I trade my $10,000 a month for 12 or 15K in return all day long. Unless I can hire somebody that will get me an increase of 20K per month. If it costs me $1,000 a month, which is 12 grand a year, but I can net out 15 grand a year from the efficiencies that are created, I'll do that all day long because I get the savings in perpetuity. I get that additional 15 grand going forward forever. The coach doesn't. Some coaches actually will charge some percent. They get some percentage of increase. I know Jay Abraham, the famous marketing coach, does that. He'll help people create efficiencies and marketing programs, and then he'll take a percentage of the sales and the profitability. Most good business coaches don't do that, though. They just charge a monthly fee or some kind of project fee. The reality is that most, most coaching in most in industries is a couple hundred to maybe a couple thousand dollars per month. And most will tell you that their returns, most people who do that kind of coaching, say their returns are exponential to their costs, as they should be. I mean, we say it right in our advertising that you should, at a bare minimum, get two times, we think up to five times the investment with our company back in return. And if you don't, well, we give some of your money back. Now, remember earlier in the show when I mentioned my manufacturing buddy and how the savings and the efficiencies that he creates net those companies millions and billions over time, it should be the same with a good business coach. If a good coach can, can, can help you avoid, we're talking about savings, but what if they can help you avoid a $12,000 mistake? Well, that's worth a thousand bucks a month for one year. And you get to keep your savings and avoid that same mistake forever into perpetuity. If they save you 12, a $12,000 mistake, they're, mis they're saving you that mistake every day going forward. So what's that worth to you? You get to keep earning that additional $1,000 per month forever into perpetuity. After 10 years, that's an additional $120,000 per year. One good idea, one well-asked question, one small change in your business or your life, and that helps your business and your life be better is something you get to keep forever. Coach just does it once, or exposes it once, or offers it once, you use it, you implement, you get to keep it forever. The way to come at the cost question, in my opinion, is... How much have bad decisions, lack of action, not knowing certain principles or ideas, and poor habits and behaviors cost you already? You can't just start from today. Okay, I've got this much money and I want to get coaching going forward. You have to think back and go, geez, I've been avoiding this for 10 years. What's this cost me? And I can tell you safely that the number for most people is in the hundreds of thousands and in many cases in the millions. Not only do you have to take into consideration the actual dollar amounts of lost opportunities, you have to then calculate what the return on that money would be if it was invested at a 7 or 8% compounded return. So if I could save you 
eight grand a month or help you gain that an additional return, 96,000, let's just call it $100,000. An additional $100,000 in net profit each year is a million dollars in 10 years. Not counting any compounding, any interest, all the other lost opportunities because you didn't have that money or the freed up time. If you had an additional $100,000 in your bank account that a good coach helped you net, well, you'd see all kinds of different opportunities. So it's all lost opportunity. If they can help you be a better human being, if they can help you have a better lifestyle, a better work-life balance, be a better business person, and it nets you considerably more than your investment into their insights and services, that's what you should be looking for. My friends, I hope that has helped you have some of your own insights into why somebody would hire a coach and what to look for. Until next week, my friends, I'm out.